Welcome into the High Yellow Podcast. We back at it again. I have a special guest in the building, High Yellow Pod. It, it don't really get any much better than this. I got my man Ugo Amati. Yes, sir. A.K.A. Burnt Mamba. Yeah. A.K.A. Yep. Like my boy Howard would say, the African. <laughs> <laughs> what up, bro? True. How you been, man? Man, you know, it's just one of them things. You know, yeah. you I, you hear about one of your friends, and for y'all that don't know, me and Dave... We go back, man. Like the Travis Scott song. Really, yes, sir. <laughs> really. Like I'm, I'm talking when I, when I, with my, with my array of friends, I've been blessed because you know I've been in a lot of different environments. For sure. And God has blessed me, luckily enough, that people are generally, for some reason, attracted to me. Can't really tell you why. But if there's anything that I do, it's I definitely keep tabs on my core, and that's my elementary school friends, because you guys are. You guys are my longest-lasting friends. And Second grade. You, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I'm an only child, so I don't have any siblings. Yeah. So, for me, the friendships that I maintain are my siblings. You know what I'm talking mm. about? So, anytime I hear about one of my friends, especially the older they get, doing something special like this, bro, it, it fills my heart with joy. So, that's why whenever you told me that you wanted to have me on here, this was, this was a no-brainer. I mean, bro, you've been positive critiquing my episodes bro you've been very involved in the process bro we got the content anything, coming and you've been very anything to help y'all man you know what I, i'm saying I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to just trying to shed whatever positive perspective you you could use from myself for you to further your brand and stuff like that but other than that it ain't it ain't nothing to it no nah, it's all love bro like i said bro i appreciate you coming on the taking the time out of your day to be here man it's a, it's a privilege, privilege to have you bro man, so i guess real. that's what do you want to start off man uh, I mean, I guess we can start with just the basic introductions. You know, people are gonna watch yeah, this. For sure. Want to know why you just have this random African? For sure. Actually, let's show. do this because I yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I want to touch on this African thing a lot because okay. I, I'm very ignorant toward this, and I've always wanted to explore this. Right? What is it like growing up in an African household, bro? Because I have a lot of African friends. Right. right. I have homies from uh, Eritrea. I got homies mm-hmm. from Ethiopia. I got mm-hmm. homies like Nigerian. Everything, man. And I, I I'll be quite frank with you, man, because you're the homie. Uh, from what I've heard. I don't want no part of it. Like I don't think I would. I don't think I don't think I would have survived coming up like that, man. So I'm very, like I said, I'm very ignorant to, to okay. all this, man. So I, yeah, bro, what was that like for you, man, coming up in an African household? How, how was that, man? I'm gonna put it like this, right? You you've been to my house a couple of times, you know. I, yeah, I remember yeah. you and ex walked over, got me to come play some ball or whatever. Most of my elementary school friends that have come over to my house have seen me get my ass beat by my mom. So. If that just goes to show you what it is in terms of structure, uh, and like I said, I, I speak for Nigerian people, Nigerian kids. I speak for Igbo kids. We're gonna, we can get into the distinctions between the two. I speak for Yoruba kids because my dad is Igbo, my mom's Yoruba. And all that simply means is that my dad is from East, South Nigeria, my mom's from the West. Gotcha. That's, that's the main ge- geographical difference. Gotcha. But um, so growing up, you're taught that age is uh, age runs with respect. You know what I'm saying? They're very uh, they're very correlated. That's what I was looking for. So obviously, the older people get, the more you are supposed to address them as such. You know, like I call, I have 30 year old cousins that I was expected to call aunties. You know, mm. but they're cousins. Yeah, the, like we're all on the same age group field. But because of that age, because of that experience that they have, that wisdom, you're supposed to address them as such, right? So, growing up, we were um, we're very religious. You know, religion is is really a part of your upbringing because 
And that dates all the way back to colonization <clears throat> with religion being a main thing that the British brought to Nigeria in an attempt to control the people. Um, so we take that very seriously. But then when it just comes to rules, the main stressors that we focus on our people is that one, education, because education is freedom, you know, and that's just life in general. Um, doing well in school, being respectful, but you have to live your life almost to a schedule. You know what I'm talking about. There's there's stuff you got to take care of in the house. There's stuff you got to take care of outside of the house. And then on top of all that, you have to maintain a certain image or certain air because coming to America, man, and I mean, I, I really should start all the way from the beginning, but my, my family came to America in 2001. Yeah, 2001. I was three years old. They saw it a lot earlier than I did, but there's a difference between people from Africa and African-Americans born here. Mm. And um, it's really interesting because a couple of, uh, it really was last year. So a couple of months ago, right, I was taking an Uber to a location for my friend's birthday party, and I had a Middle Eastern man dri as my driver, right? So we were talking, <clears throat> we were talking, and then he just cuts me off all of a sudden. He said, I'm sorry, my friend, but the way you speak, your your tone, your vocabulary. I just have to ask you where you're from. And that's when I told him I was Nigerian. My parents are straight from there, all that. And he's like, you know, I often tell people whenever I find out that they are indigenous to the motherland that the difference that I've observed as a Middle Eastern man here in America is that the people from Africa have tradition, right? You guys have a very set way. You guys do everything. It doesn't change. You can find this common theme amongst many people. A lot of the African Americans you see here don't have tradition. Mm. Why, do you think, why do you think that is? Because they were robbed. Mm. You know, whenever you grow up, it's tough because nobody wants to discuss slavery. Nobody wants to discuss all these things that they were so long ago and all that. But whenever you're a different toned human being, right skin tone whenever you're a different toned human being in a land with where the majority is a different tone and then you're treated differently because of your tone and this all and this starts from the very moment you got there not that you guys were living peacefully and then all of a sudden it all went to shit no yeah. you were brought here for a reason you fulfilled that reason through the works of many others who gave their lives and stood up for your rights and did those things you're now on a Still not even, but somewhat better playing field. But there's still that air of you're different. Yeah, and that's definitely very prevalent as to what's going on in current society today. You know what I'm saying? I want to touch on a few things you talked about, man. The scheduling, because I'm starting to finally understand the importance of scheduling out my days, man. I'm a, I've been doing a lot of different things, man. I've been probably as busy as I've ever been, right? True. Uh, college, this podcast, uh, just all types of different endeavors, traveling, um, how, what how, what's so important how, in your opinion? What's so important about scheduling your day, man? Because I'm trying to, I think I have a good grasp of it, but I know you've kind of had this installed in you, like mm -hmm. you said, from a child, and you understand the importance of time as luxury, time Definitely. is key. So how, yeah, man, what's the importance of scheduling for you? Okay, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna start out on a weekly basis, and then we're gonna trim it down to the days, sure. right? And we're gonna start from back then to now <clears throat> because my schedule now is very different. So back then, first and foremost, we go to church every Sunday at 9 a.m. Right. 
And I was raised Roman Catholic, so luckily for me, church was at max two hours. But for my other Nigerian peers that were raised, that were raised Anglican, and that's just two different sects of Christianity, all the same God, most of the same stories, just disagreements within the church that led to this. An Anglican church, um, there's a church, All Saints. I'm trying to remember the exact street it's off of, but I can't. Out I'll, Houston? I'll that. It's, it's, in our, it's in our southwest little corner of okay, Houston, okay. yeah. But um, it's called All Saints Anglican Church, and I have se- several family friends that attend that church. The few times I've attended All Saints Anglican Church, I was in that church by 10 a.m., and I did not leave that church till 6, sometimes Jeez. later. Now, I'm the type of person that if I waste a whole day in one place, bro, that just it, – it irks me because I feel like there's so much different stuff I could be doing. Yeah. But needless to say, that's how some people choose to celebrate their faith, and by all means, let them do that. I won't do it, but yeah. let them do that. See, so. that's that's what that's what I'll be thinking about, stuff like that. Like no. religion, you're very – to the book, very, like you said, traditional. I don't know how I would have made it, bro. I don't know, man, because yeah. not, not even – I didn't go to church coming up, mm-hmm. right, and I wasn't forced to. Um, I've sought out faith as of recent, but I guess I, I feel like my personality, I would kind of rebel to it, right? Because oh, if you're forcing oh, me to do something every kids. week. There's kids rebelling. If you're forcing <laughs> me to do something on Sunday from 10 to 6, I'm not going to want to go. Like, I'm you not going to lie to you. There, there's no, like, literally, and it's funny because at this church, for example, um, in the main main foyer of the church, there's all the chairs where the adults will sit for the service and whatnot, but there's an upstairs area for the kids cool. because – like even in a even in a Catholic church, it's only two hours, bro. In the pews, you're gonna have kids laying down, dozing off. I was one of those kids. Yeah, I, you know your. I would have been too. <laughs> your attention span is just simply not built at that age to en- to endure something like that. Yeah. Um, but so they have this upstairs section for the kids, and I've been up there a couple of times during the church service. I mean. Like they, it's really just like do whatever you want while your while your family's getting it in downstairs. You feel me? Like, and that's where a lot of relationships and friendships are formed in church, and that's why you see a lot of Nigerians know each other through church. Because mm. although like, yeah, their families might know each other because their families celebrate their faith together. Those kids are really getting to know each other because hey, we're stuck in this place for six, seven, eight hours. Yeah, you know, there's, there's <laughs> the times I went, there wasn't a TV. It's not like everybody's just kind of chilling. Like you kind of got to make your own fun. There's a little yeah. playground outside. You can go. No, no Xbox. With. Oh no, none of that. <laughs> none of that. They will never allow that. Yeah. But um, you know, so you're you're stuck there with this other group of kids, and you're getting opened up. And a lot of you, like I said, are undergoing are undergoing the same thing at home. You know, with the strictness of being brought up, the scheduling, uh, the style that you're being raised. So you have a lot of you have a lot of stories that you can relate on. Yeah. But you also just kind of get used to the fact that okay, this is just how it is. Yeah. You know, like this I, is, I may have missed this. Is this a all? Uh, is this all inclusive church or how is? It? Oh yes. Like okay, okay. okay. So basically, Christianity. It's not just an African church. It's, no. Okay. No, okay. Okay. Could, okay. I've seen white people in this church. Okay. Like, just make. Okay. Yeah. So Christianity is. To me, one of the easiest religions to just kind of slide in. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I would agree. The main the main point is, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And yeah. Most people, once they've read about the history and all that, they they have no problem saying, yeah, of course. Well, uh, there are certain rituals and other things, baptism, uh, yeah. confirmation. That's just the Catholic side, but all other sects have their own deals. But um, so they go through all these things, right? And to say that you're in. But, like, for example, one of my best friends, if not my best friend, Rahil, he's lived down the street from me. He's a practicing Muslim. And Rahil, like, Rahil could be over at my house. We could be playing the PlayStation or whatever. 
it hits a certain time where Hill's going to go stand in the corner. He's going to get his five prayers in. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have – Islam is a religion, and I the reason why I like Islam so much is because the religion itself focuses more on self-growth. Mm. You know what I'm saying? More than <clears throat> community. Christianity is a lot about community. Let's get together. Let's worship. Mm. They have mosques in Islam, right? But then again, they're still tasked to do their prayer outside of it. You still got to get your five in throughout the day, whenever. You still got to point towards Mecca. You still got to do all these things. Christianity, a lot of Christians, because maybe they haven't done their research into the faith as much or the way the faith was presented to them, they go to church on that Sunday, they dress up, put on their collared shirts, their pants or whatever, and then Monday through Saturday, we're sinning again. I talk to some of my friends, and like sometimes I was going to ask him, like, bro, did you pray today when you woke up? They're like, what? I'm like, you thank God today that you woke up, bro? People die in their sleep all the time. Did you, you know what I'm saying? It's not up to you if you wake up. Yeah. So with that being said, it's just more of focusing on <clears throat> what is your personal relationship with the higher power and how do you perpetuate that going forward, you know? And so kind of bouncing all over the place here. But you good, man. I felt that around – so <clears throat> our personal relationship, right? Yeah. Sixth grade, I left y'all. I left Westendorf. Parents moved me over to First Colony. Uh, more affluent area. Uh, basically just a, a areas where you find more white people. There's typically going to be nicer stuff in this country, right? Got you, got you. So um, I was at St. Lawrence Catholic School, right? So at St. Lawrence Catholic School, first and foremost, there were three other black people in my grade. Uh, two of them were male, one was female. And uh, every Friday we went to Mass. So, like, in place of our usual 8 to 9, 8 to 10 class, we were actually in church with our uh, priest, like a regular Sunday Mass, you know what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, that's cool and all, but then I'd also turn around and go to church on Sunday, which was, like, <laughs> kind of redundant to me because yeah. I mean, the same message twice, yeah. but that's whatever. But in that period of time, being in that environment as well as other things in my life, it really led me to have some questions about my faith that I knew that if I were to ask the people in my life, they would give me an answer that would not fulfill my inquisitiveness, my curiosity, right? So I did my own research. I started researching into other religions, Buddhism, Islam, uh, Judaism, even Greek Orthodox uh, Judaism. Just different theologies. Just different different theologies, different ideas, because that's really all religion is. Nobody knows anything. We all have our perceptions. We all have ideas of where things come from. We have ideas of who controls it all. But at the end of the day, nobody concretely knows. Yeah. So after doing all this research and stuff, at a young age, I was like 13, 14. Yeah. You know, I have, I have all these questions. I have, I have all these just internal, like just some stuff didn't sit right with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's crazy because in St. Lawrence Catholic School, our, we actually had a religion class, yeah. you know, like with actual like work and homework and textbooks and all that, which was taught by a nun. Funny enough, I drove by her convent the other day off Gasmer, uh, Sister Catherine's uh, Vietnamese sister's convent. Mm. And so during one of our uh, discussions or whatever, we covered the Crusades. So basically the Crusades was, in literally the most generic terms was, People carrying the religion of Christianity to other countries and other areas, like, for instance, the Ottoman Empire, which was the Turkish people, Mm. 
and those other places in other countries not really accepting Christianity. So the Christians just kind of murdered everybody. Mm. And then once you kind of murder everybody, especially the high-ranking males and everything else, you know what I'm saying, cut the head off the snake, the body will die. Nobody else kind of wants to die. So then you kind of impose your will, and now everybody's a Christian. So if we're preaching this message of acceptance and love and peace and introspection and Jesus is this, God is that, but we have to use violence to spread our message— isn't that kind of contradictory to what we're to what we're practicing? No, for sure. That's why I have a a sort of I'm not gonna say that has a reason why I don't go to church, but I mean mm-hmm. I've definitely like I said as I've started to research and look into this stuff myself. Like you said, kind of your independent studies, which I think is very important. Definitely. You know, I've starting to I've started to come across these different dynamics as well, these different contradictions, and you know how purposeful is this? Again, I practice Christianity. I would I proclaim myself to be Christian, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like it's healthy that you can acknowledge the the evils of it as well and different things of oh, that yeah. nature. Let me ask you this: You talked about when you left in the sixth grade and uh, kind of when you was a more affluent community, majority of your peers were white. I know this was the case at Clemens as well. So, And then you end up going Oof. to Arkansas. We'll get into that in a second. Man. But, yeah, man. I feel like <laughs> from sixth grade on, it was just a bunch of General white. General bleaching. <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> a lot social, of white people. <laughs> social vitiligo. So, yeah, please tell yeah. me how that experience was uh, for you transitioning to, because, again, every so, sort of every schooling from sixth grade on has been a predominantly white thing, man. And, mm-hmm. you okay. Know, yeah. So, starting all the way from the starting all the way from the roots, right? Yeah, sixth grade I, I, or sixth grade, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're in Richmond, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows anything about Richmond, Texas, you will find a lot of African Americans and Hispanic Latino people there, right? There are white people, of course, in Richmond, but it's just with the general population diaspora that's the majority of the or the uh, ethnicity of the majority of the people that have settled there. Okay. So if you remember back in Hutchison, our elementary school, there was a good mix of everybody. We had white people, yeah. we had black people, we had Asians, we had Mexicans, we had, we had everybody. That was the best days of my life. Man. So then our you take our multicultural school, right, and you join it with, I don't even know how many other schools funneled into West North. I think it was like five or six others. Yeah. And then you take all these six, seven elementary schools worth of kids and you throw them all in one building, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yo, we... You thought we were multicultural before. Well, look, now you have some elementary schools that are majority black coming in with some elementary schools that are majority white. Yeah. You have some – Gonzalez Elementary, majority Mexican. They're all here with us now. And and they're all from different backgrounds and financial uh, households and stuff like that. So, like, really their perspective of the world is just different. Yeah. We're all getting used to that and stuff like that. So. You know, it's tough because, you know, sixth grade, the way our school system was set up with a mark consolidated, sixth grade is only one year before they bump you up to junior high, which yep, yep, yep. funnels in more other sixth grades. So, yep, yeah. uh, you know, my parents got me out of that situation because they felt like I was going down the wrong path. And funny enough, I don't know if I ever was, told that you. Was, that was the reason? That was really the reason. You know what was the incident that set that off? That's, yeah. My mom gave me $20 to go put it to my lunch account, right? Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. It wasn't – who was it? I can't remember the name. It wasn't Lionel, but somebody on Shout the bus, Lionel. you know, <laughs> somebody you on the bus definitely had some, some – candy. remember they used to sell candy yeah, in school, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So somebody had a bunch of Snickers, a bunch of Reese's, a bunch of Skittles, all that stuff. Well, there in the early morning, 10-year-old me decided that I'm going to take my mom's $20. I'm going to buy all the Skits candy, and I'm going to just resell it 
and I'm gonna make all that money. I'm, I'm gonna buy his stuff oh, in bulk sh- and I'm gonna resell. You remember I was selling, I remember. I was selling oh, candy. Oh man, I was selling candy yeah. at one point, right? So I mean, it wasn't even that like, and I, I mean like school lunch back then, before Michelle Obama tanked it, was fire. But it wasn't it wasn't anything I was gonna die if I missed. So yeah, I was just kind of not eating at school, but yeah. I was selling candy. I was making bills. So one day. Uh, I'm sorry. Yo, that's crazy. I, that's, that brought me <laughs> back, bro. You were like one of the pioneers for this shit. No, like, I'm telling you. Mad people it, were selling mad candy like that. You feel me? So my mom sees all these small bills in my backpack and all this candy. And she's like, what did this happen? And I mean, I at the time, you know, my upbringing, if you don't follow the plan, you're doing something wrong. So my first instinct was to lie about it, right? Mm. So she goes, she checks my lunch account, says that the money's never hit there. And I don't, it just kind of triggered something in her because she just had her own conception about the area and the school district. Yeah. And she was like, no, we're going to get you out of here. But them lunch counts will fuck you up. They, they snitch on you. Yeah. We were singing math songs during lunch. <laughs> <laughs> if you do not remember. Yeah. Like, it, they, they definitely pulled no punches in coming back to your parents with whatever you did. So yeah. they got me out of there. They moved me to First Colony. We are literally just down the highway. So my first day at St. Lawrence, um, I get there. And I remember because St. Lawrence, with it being a private school, we started a lot earlier than other schools. By 7.30, we were starting class, which means like by – and it's a private school, so no school bus. Like your parents got to take you there. And it really opened my eyes as to what exactly private education is and what it costs and what the law – or not the laws, the rules and regulations that come with being a private institution is because – you know, with the Mark Cons, there was a set. We knew what our teachers could and couldn't do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, remember whenever they had to, in elementary school, they passed around that form for, like, do you want your child to be uh, susceptible to corporal punishment if they act up mm. and all that stuff? And we were like, hell no, my mom's not going to sign this. She don't want nobody <laughs> touching me but her. Private school, man, when you, when you pay that sum of money and you sign all those papers and all those waivers and all that stuff, man, you are that private school's property for real. And it's okay in the sense because a private school is being funded by so many things that they seem that they <clears throat> they don't they're not controlled by state funding so they can afford to have certain amenities that public schools can't yeah but with those you know what i'm saying with great power comes great responsibility of so course. with all those amenities <clears throat> they have they they want to enforce the strict set of rules to keep their students in line to ensure that their amenities can be used appropriately or whatnot yeah so it's very again it's very traditional very, it's traditional. very by the book you know and again and, there are some private schools that don't center around religion now but the one that i chose to go to aligned with our faith however it was a catholic school okay so i get there right and the first thing and i mean i'm, I'm it's not that you know obviously anybody that knows me i don't hate white people but when i got there i was like yo i'm really the only I, i'm the, i know for a fact i'm the only african here yeah and i'm one of the only black people here off yeah. the rip so funny enough, we get there, and I think it's like the third day. Sorry, not to, uh, you ahead. can't hate white people. You got a white man. You, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna get into that, man. Um, but so our, I think it's like our third day on it. Yeah. The three newcomers, the three newcomers to that school, it's a it's a K through K through eight. Okay. So from they have kindergartens from eighth grade, right? Yeah. And what I noticed was okay, after a couple of weeks in, the majority of those students in my seventh and eighth grade. All started at that school from kindergarten. So mm. St. Lawrence Catholic School was their Hutchison, was their Westendorf, was yeah, yeah. their junior high. So they knew each other. So like us coming in, it was just kind of like the the new kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then on top of that, we're black. 
So yeah. it's like, what they, how is that, you man? Know, I could imagine. Bring? Talk about that a little bit. How does so, that shape your whole perspective? So our third day there, tell me why we have a little pizza party for all the new coming students, right? It's myself, Shelby Sumlin, uh, Brandon Choates, and Howard. All the black uh, or, people. All, all, the, all black, the black people. All the black people. Okay. I'm sorry. Howard, Howard wasn't there. Howard, did, Howard, Howard and his sister Catherine were the two black kids that had been there since kindergarten gotcha. or since third grade, I think. So they were they kind of knew the group. They knew everything. Yeah. They weren't anything new. But me, Brandon, and Shelby, we were the three new black kids. So it was literally just us three sitting in this room with our vice principal uh, and some, some plastic Domino's pizza. And... <laughs> I'm eating there, and I'm in, I'm enjoying it because I'm like, okay, well, freak, freak it, free pizza, whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm getting to know these kids a little bit better. But then, like, after that pizza party, we get released again back into general population. I'm like, yeah, these kids are different. Mm-hmm. You know, sense of humor is different. Um, different ideals. Different ideals, just a different— It came up different. You know, yeah, exactly. And, like, you know what I'm saying, episode three, what your teacher said, you are a product of your environment. You know, and I wholeheartedly believe that because what you what you take in is going to be similar to what you put out. A hundred percent. So I'm realizing I'm going to have to change a lot of the stuff that I grew up doing. I grew up thinking I grew up saying just to make it through here every day because I can't put every thought I have out there. You know, of what course, I'm saying? And that's why I say that my original core group of friends, my elementary school friends are so vintage because y'all know me at my basic. Mm. In elementary school, man, we were we were some assholes, you know. And I, I think about this a lot. Still, still are sometimes. You know, you know what I'm saying. I th- I think about this a lot, still and I'm, you know, we. But then again, everybody bullied everybody. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like we came in. I don't know you remember me and Uche came in. We were all shout friends. Out Uche. You know, shout out Uche. Shout out today. Oh no, they gonna, they gonna I'm, love hey, this one. I'm, I'm gonna say a lot of names now. They're gonna love this one. And they're not gonna keep make going, keep you going. know. I'm not. They're not gonna make sense to some people, but just know. y'all better tune in. Just know. So. Me, Uche, and Quatera, we all friends, right? But I'll tell you, Quatera used the term African booty scratcher more than anybody I know. <laughs> that's a, that's an OG roast. You know what I'm saying? That's early 2000s, uh, America yeah, at its, yeah, at course, its finest. Course. You know, and, that, and that's just the time period now. You know, we're headed, right now, we're headed towards a more PC culture where everybody doesn't want to offend. Yeah, Every, Everybody doesn't want to step on toes. Everybody doesn't want to do all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like I said, I have... Personally, I have no problem with homosexuals, but I can yeah. I you can dig up some of my old tweets and I'll fully own them. I've definitely used the F word a bunch. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I have friends around me that use the F word a bunch. Yeah. But we don't hate, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to go out of my way to beat up a homosexual. Yeah. You know man, that's that's interesting, yeah. man. I, I, thinking about that, because people, you're so right, bro. People get canceled for old tweets that they made when they were 18, 17 years old. And it's 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 crazy to me. Like I wish somebody would try to cancel me. I'm going to just end up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a, look cuz cuz I'm I don't but do you believe in cancel culture? I don't I just do don't, I believe man. in cancel cuz to me, you know what cancel culture is aimed to do? Cancel culture is aimed to educate through negative reinforcement, right? Yeah. So like basically the same way how you act up in school, you come home, you get your ass beat, you act up in society, you preach messages of hate. You show, um, you show that you're indifferent to some to some people's feelings, a group of people's feelings, and so they feel like the only way to make you acknowledge your wrong ways is to take away your livelihood. Mm. And that's it's effective, but it's unfortunate because whenever you get trigger happy with cancel culture, then you have people being negatively affected for almost no reason. Like you said, people being people grow, people progress, yeah. people learn. So you might be canceling somebody for calling 
somebody gay or calling somebody or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, what if that's all that person was taught? I have homeboys that I've played ball with, that I've gone to school with, that have said so many things out of left field about black people. And one, I think, and it's kind of bad because I don't really get offended because one, I'm a child of the internet. Mm. The day and age that we came up in, just as much as I was on the internet, I've seen so much offensive things, so many offensive, like memes. Yeah. Memes are, are really, they're meant to offend. Yeah. It's satire, but it's offensive satire because they all memes have a, a joke behind it or something behind it yeah. that makes it funny. You know what I'm saying? What's your take on? Because you said your friends, they're, mm-hmm. they're very. I know. I, I've had a, I've had the privilege of having some encounters with them. You, you know, know what I'm saying through Xbox and different. And, uh, and, and those aren't even the white ones. That's the funny part. <laughs> that's that's the whole other story. <laughs> those aren't but even uh, the white ones. <laughs> what's your take on non-black people saying the n-word, man? Because I have homies who. I have I have like this cognitive dissonance toward it, man, because I, I've definitely been hypocritical on it because mm-hmm. I've not talked to friends. Because my friends that I my circle now is very against it. They take it very personal. Very seriously. They've yeah. they've uh, taken out members of our friendship just because they've used it. And I and I'll as of recent I'll go along with them, be like, yeah, man, we probably can't uh, mess with him no more. But I will look at it, man. I mean, I don't know because it. I'll, I'll put it like this. Growing up, especially in high school, going to such a white heavy, and really, we, it wasn't even that we were white heavy. We were just so non-black because at Clemens, the true majority are the Asians, but yeah. white people being the second leaders, second leading um, demographic, they, you know what I'm saying they they still trump us out like thirty to one or whatever. So, growing up in high school or whatever, I was more silent on it, mainly because. In my mind, it was like, shit, they're not talking about me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going to reduce me to that word or whatever. I don't I don't take that personally. But then as you grow up and you see more stuff like that and you begin to realize the effects, because everything in life has a consequence, you know, you, you start to see the problem with it getting normalized with that group of people because there's history behind it. So what I used to tell people like in college so, all right, so let's go from me in high school, not saying shit about it, just being that, that token black guy, Yeah. to now in college where, although I'm in Arkansas, there's a ton of white people. There's also a lot of black people in Arkansas. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I'm at parties, and I tell people, I tell my white friends I'm with, I'm like, yo, y'all know I fuck with y'all, but y'all say that word and some black people get on you, I'm leaving you to the wolves because mm. you should know better, bro. You should know the history behind it. You should. Yeah. There's a reason why... It's like black people get to use the word. Why can't I use it? Well, there's a reason. Yeah. So if you want to use that word at your own risk, by you, all you means, won't cut. You won't cut your friends off. If they use it. You know why but, I won't cut my friends off because I use it. If they use it, because when I designate you as my friend, it's because I see something in you that I like and that mm. I feel that for some reason or whatever we just gel like that. We are attracted to one another or whatever. So moving forward, I've had friends make a ton of social mistakes, dude, and. More than ever, I feel like if I can't do my part to educate you before I leave you, then I failed you as a friend. Mm. So I'm definitely going to try and explain to you where you went wrong. It's up to you to accept it or not. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you'll try to grow with them before oh, yeah. you cut them off. Most definitely. Like I said, because I, I, I'm definitely having this struggling act because, like I said, I, this isn't something I just, I don't see this on a day to day. But mm-hmm. I mean, we, I've had talks with my black circle at UT and we have um, non black friends in the circle and they'll, they've, they'll mess up here and there and we've had to correct them on it. And it's kind of like, do we cut them off forever or do we exactly give them an opportunity to redeem themselves? Now, granted, they've been they've been intact way before I got there. Like they've been going to UT all every all all the years of their career. Of whereas course. I got there two years ago in 2018. So, they they maybe they've had that that nurturing process trying to. So I don't I don't know, but I like I like what you're saying, bro. No, I, because if you because we might not agree on the same thing and we might have different ideals, but I like I like what you're saying that if you if you don't see the if I can tell you about it, I won't cut you off though because if you don't see the error in your ways, it can potentially harm you. You know, and what I'm just saying? gonna let you deal, deal with that yourself. You feel me? I like, like that. No, I like that. Yeah. Because like, and another thing that I like to tell people, bro, like white. Okay, so here's another instance. Culture in America is mainly it comes from black people. Oh man, like, we run pop. We, we run we it, run bro. pop culture. Yeah. It is what it is. For some reason, whatever. Like, there's a reason why. Uh, whenever they want to show an ad for the Grammys or an ad for something else, it ain't country music playing. Mm. They gonna have some. They gonna have some urban, some pop, some mm. something, something that gets the people drawn together, ready to celebrate. Yeah, and that's because Facts. that's what that's what our music does. Facts. You know what I'm saying? So, what I tell people, they're like, okay, well, what if I'm listening to a song that says the N word? And I'm saying, I'm saying, bro, if you want to listen to, um, if you want to listen to NWA in your room. And say the n-word all you want i can't stop you you know what i'm saying uh reverend al sharpton is not going to come in your room and demand an apology yeah if you go to a concert it's all about context bro and if you're not smart enough to realize the context of your actions then you're going to have problems in life you yeah. know because you have to adjust your behavior depending on where you are who you're dealing with yeah so i tell people that if you feel like you're at a concert and you're listening to a song and it's your favorite jam and for some reason or whatever, the N-word is going to come up in it. And if you can't take the two seconds to think, yo, with this line coming up, am I about to say this word and then have eight different black people just staring at me? And am I prepared to deal with the consequence of that? Yeah. If I'm not, I probably shouldn't say that word. Mm-hmm. If I feel like I am ready to deal with that consequence, then by all means, say the word and find out where it takes you. You know what I'm saying? So I tell people all the time, it's just a matter of thought, dude. It's a matter of context. Always, always evaluate where you're at. Always evaluate the people you're around and evaluate and just at least try to predict. Like going back to what we talked to a couple of weeks ago about conscience. Yeah. So with me being an only child, I don't have another human being to bounce ideas off of. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly bouncing ideas off myself. And what that the way I do that is the tiny voice in your head. Whenever you're thinking, that that voice that's speaking, literally speaking to you in your head, to me, that is my idea of conscience. Mm. Because when you're not talking, when you're not actively communicating ideas, your brain's still going, you know. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you really understand. I I tell people all the time, I'm an undiagnosed ADHD uh, ADHD person. What does that mean? So I tried to tell my mom. I remember growing up early. I saw this ad online. They're like, uh, they're like, if your child can't sit still, this or that, constantly doing that, just a whole bunch of symptoms. Yeah. And I was like, this sounds a lot like me. <laughs> and I told my mom, I was like, Mom, have you ever thought like, 
Like, ha- like I might have ADHD. Like, you ever thought about that or something? And she just brushed it off. She's like, you don't have ADHD. Stop being stupid. And part of me then was like, yeah, like, this woman isn't really listening to me. Like, she's not, she's not concerned with the same thing I'm concerned as. Me now realizing that she was probably doing that for the betterment of myself because if I go to a doctor at that age saying your child has ADHD, they're going to pump you so full of Vivans and Adderall that I'm just going to be sitting in class and like a freaking zombie Jeez, zoned yeah. out because that's how this country deals with mental problems. They pump you full of pills, medicine, mm. you know, and that's why I tell people because although I might in a room, I might be chilling. I might be, you know, I might not have a thought in the world on my face. My brain is going a thousand miles per hour. I'm always thinking about something. You know, my friends, whenever I do open my mouth and speak, my friends are somebody like, dude, you think too much. And I was like, you don't think I know that? Like, I, I'm constantly evaluating and I'm constantly, like, just running through different scenarios in my head. How things how, how do you respond when people tell you you think too much? Because I get the same thing. I, I really <laughs> – and I, I feel like it hinders me in a sense, uh, potentially. But at the same time, I feel like it's good to it does act on your thoughts, man, and take those things serious. But how do you sort of ret- – what's your retort when people tell you you're thinking too much? Because I get it all the time. I'd rather think too much than not enough. Because a lot of people that don't think enough make a lot of mistakes. Mm. Thought is good because thought shows that you are capable of seeing something from two different perspectives, at least two different perspectives, right? If if an apple falls, a lot of people are going to say gravity affected the apple, right? That's just one perspective. Yeah. General force of the earth drew it off the tree. A lot of people are going to say, huh, well, what about what if the tree, what if the limb of the tree was weak? What if it just wasn't able to support that apple? What if the apple fell because, you know, the tree was rotting from the inside out? It was slowly dying. It was going to fall regardless, regardless of gravity, regardless of everything else. That, that apple is going to become detached from the tree because of things like that. Like you're seeing things from more than one way. And to me, those, that is the most important quality in the people that I keep around me. Your ability to see things some more. That goes right into duality, man. That's a beautiful. We could have to talk right about that. Duality and empathy. Those are those are my two main themes of life, and those are probably going to be the two things on my tombstone when I die. Wow. Break down duality for people listening who might not know. Duality is, to me, in my own words now, because everybody has their different interpretations, duality is the ability to see the good and the evil. Because everything in life, no matter... You can win $500 million today. That's a good thing, right? There's still homeless people in front of a Gucci store. Because mm. you, you have all this wealth, somebody else doesn't. That's duality. I think duality is so important, man. It's because if you can't, important. and we don't practice it enough, man. Like, it goes back to canceling. We cancel people who have one differing opinion, and we just we just completely remove them from our space because one different opinion and it brings me to like we were talking about earlier i'm very getting i'm I'm getting very invested in politics right true and i'm following cats like ben shapiro like you know who's very very right some i don't know if you have any ideas on that man but uh you know and it's and it's crazy because i hear people like label each other left wing right wing yeah all this stuff and i'm like so y'all don't so y'all are y'all acknowledging the fact that y'all are on the same bird yeah but y'all just have two different opinions so why is it so hard for you to take off your hat and put on the other person's hat? Exactly. Let me finish this point, though, because, mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm following cats like Ben Shapiro. I don't agree with 99 percent of the things he says. But what I'm starting to understand from the people around me that are more educated than me and more they know more than me. They listen to both sides of the of the, of the spectrum. They listen to both sides because mm-hmm. they, it gives you a heavy dose of it, it helps you 
not be co- too consumed with your beliefs, your biases, Definitely. essentially. Um, Definitely. You're able to listen to both sides of the puzzle, and it gives you a more clear picture of everything. And again, this is something I'm trying to practice. Like I said, I listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast. I can I don't agree with a lot of his points, man, but I, I, I do think, and I hope people listening understand that, because I'm just not realizing this too. I don't have this figured out. But I think having both sides and listening to both sides, if you don't agree with the man or not, just if he has a good, if he has a good, uh, not particularly good message, but if he can, if he has a good heart, you know, if he has a good heart, you, you know, know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like p- people like him, Tommy Lauren, um, Sean Hannity, the other dude that's on Fox News, like, yeah. and it's crazy because like outlets like that, I'm not saying podcasts are similar to news outlets, but you got to think about who's the head honcho and all those things and what's there. Cause it's going to be their message that at the end of the day is dispersed. Yeah. The other people are merely just talking heads. And that's why podcasts are so important because it's independent. It's the people that are the people you're whatever message David West wants to get across. David, Mes- David West is going to get across on a high yellow podcast regardless. Mm. Because that's your podcast. If you work for NBC, for Fox News, for anything else, they're going to put a teleprompter in front of you and you're going to read off that thing. You don't even have to believe in what you're reading, but you're going to read it because you're getting a paycheck to read it. Mm. So that's why it's important to I tell people, if you get most of your news from TV, you might want to search for other sources because one, you're not getting you're only getting what they choose to show you. And then you're not getting the whole picture of what they choose to show you. Because for every opinion that that news outlet, that CNN gives you, that Fox gives you, that MSNBC gives you, there's somebody out saying the exact opposite thing. Yeah. Duality. But on top of that, with cats like that that like to just continually harp on their opinions and their views and stuff like that, and I think it is important to have people like that because whenever you have side A going so hard, it's very easier to discern what side B is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it helps you kind of find that middle ground. Yeah. But I just think it's, and that's the, like, it's so many things that play into it, bro. Like, cause at the end of the day, Ben Shapiro, that's somebody's life. Ben Shapiro was once a second grader with snot coming out of his nose, not knowing if the girlfriend he's finna ask out is going to say yes or no. But now he's 40, 50, whatever he's doing, spewing mm-hmm. whatever the hell he wants to spew out on his podcast and dealing with the repercussions of what society thinks of him. Yeah. But, you know, whenever you really think of things in the bigger picture like that, it helps you discern, like, how important is this guy's message and how conducive is it to moving us forward as a human race, as a society, you know. So, And that's another thing I appreciate him, appreciate about him, right? He brings on cats he doesn't agree with. Mm-hmm. He brings on Democrats and uh, just all types of different opinions. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything he's saying, but I can respect not only the way his intellect is, because this dude, he's, he, he's very set on his ways, and I like how he can distinguish his opinions and how he does that. But he, he'll bring on cats that have completely differing opinions, and mm-hmm. they'll just talk it out. I can appreciate a guy, That's and this is what I'm aspiring to do. Right? I, I can appreciate someone who's trying to get both sides of the puzzle. We might disagree, but, bro, we're going to talk it out. Mm-hmm. Why and, can't we talk it out? And you know what's crazy? So along those lines, and this is why a part of this argument really hurts me, is whenever I try to talk to some of my friends about the issues of black people in this country and how things are unfair, and they try to dead the argument 
by saying, well, if you think white people are so unfair to black people, you black people are unfair to each other. Mm. That's not conducive, dude. Yeah, no. You're trying to you're trying to say that or you're really trying to justify that you can't harp on white people all the time because black people just do just as bad as stuff to each other. Well, in response to that, how many times have you ever seen a black person kill another black person because he was black? Mm. There's usually a core argument. There's something yeah. there's something there that led to the that led to the violence, that led to this. Now, yeah. not saying that's just the mandate for everything. But I'm, you know, there's still kids in Philly getting hit by stray bullets and losing lives. Yeah. You know, there's still there's still people all over the world that are doing immoral things that put them in a horrible situation that unfortunately leads to death. But you can't justify you can't justify a situation of an oppressed people by saying that, well, they oppress themselves. Well, I mean, what do you think is going to happen whenever you try to hold people down? And then some of those people can elevate themselves to a higher status. And then there's other people in that same group trying to come up. They're going to try and hold them people down, too, because it makes them feel like they're in a higher position. It makes them feel like the white people. And it's 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 hurtful and it's tough. And until we get rid of kind of like that knee jerk reaction of but will y'all but will you you guys do that until we get rid of that knee jerk reaction, bro, we're not going to be able to move forward because people are starting to wake up, you know, um. George Floyd, God rest his soul, man. George Floyd lived a life of what I've read of many, many different things. Like, this dude went from playing hoops with the likes of Stephen Jackson. Apparently he was on a mixtape. You know what I'm saying? He was on a mixtape. I don't even know if you've seen, or hopefully you haven't seen it because you're not decrepit, but uh, this man's been in a porno. I know. Yeah, I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, whoa, what? Like, well, and, he's done, and he's, you know, he's done all these things. So at the end of the day, though, you see that video that George Floyd post about himself and about his view on the world and his view on life. And it just kind of makes you realize that. Even though you do, you do all these things. Who are you at the end mm. of the day? What is yeah, your, take? your heart? Man? Where is your heart? What are you doing moving forward? How how are you helping others around you and to me that is more important than what you're doing steve jobs makes billions of dollars every couple of minutes or not steve jobs i'm sorry he made, bill, bill made. gates, bill, he made. Bill gates. <laughs> i'm yeah. thinking of bill gates i'm yeah, sorry you're good. yeah uh bill gates makes billions of dollars every minute but bill gates turns around and does so much activism work and he spreads that wealth because he knows that one he's literally too rich to do anything with it like at so, like he'd literally have to burn money in order to effectively use it all use all the money he's making because there's nothing you know what i'm saying you you can only buy so many things when you're that rich until you bought it all yeah man you know? now i like a lot of what you're saying bro i think we've come to the understanding bro where's your heart at the end of the day you know that's all that matters it's all that matters as we kind of wrote run low on time and i want to give you the opportunity to talk whatever you want to talk about whatever you want to plug but i don't give you the opportunity man. to I so you got, I mean, you didn't gave a lot of shout outs today on the pod, man. They, be, I swear, if y'all don't tune that's in, man, that's what I'm issue, man. That's what I'm here for. Uche Quatera, <laughs> hey, you better tune in, man. Are we, uh, uh, are we coming? I got, I got a lot of partners right now that I'm, I'm just, I love seeing people progress and grow yeah, because in my mind, even as I look at you now, bro, I'm, in my head, I'm still thinking about the David West I met in third grade. You know oh, what, was, what was he like? You know what I'm saying? I'm so, I, I, he must have been great. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I still, every time I see one of my friends, because I'm the type of person that sees you and then that image of you, because whatever, wherever state I saw you in that led me to become your friend, that's the image I perpetuate moving forward 
that allows me to be your friend. That's why whenever people do some sketch shit, some some negative stuff that I'm like, man, like, you know, that's my boy. Like, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? When I when I met him, that's not the person I thought he, he would turn out to be. But yeah. that's why I'm very I'm more uh, liable to help people through those bad times and just desert them because I know yeah. what you were. I know what you can be. But like I said, I got I got uh, I got boys all over now. A lot of people, you know, quarantine has opened up a lot of alleys for people. Uh, like this, like me in this podcast. You know what I'm saying? People, I got boys making music. Shout out my boy, Project Baby JV. Just dropped a tape, letter to the projects. Uh, two on Apple Music, Spotify, and all that. Uh, Cousin Gerald over here is starting to produce some more. He started making beats, going by the tag Maybelline. Uh, Hold up, boy, what's up with you, man? I, let's talk about you, bro. I man, know you're a very I'm, gracious I'm, guy, but I want about you, man. No, what's, what's up with you, bro? I'm making, I'm making some music. I'm putting, I'm putting voice to tracks right now. That's there what we I want to do. Because I've, go. I've, uh, I've always believed that the producer is yeah. more important than the artist, yeah. and a lot of people don't agree with that or stuff because they're like, if you don't have the right voice on the track, it's not, it's just a track. And I'm like, okay, but you know, I grew up, I grew, I, I took band for three years. I can read music. I wish I would have took you know band, what I'm bro. Saying? I made a lot of bad decisions <laughs> coming up. I should have been, in, I should have been in the you know, band. I should have been a lot of things. And Go it's ahead. crazy because like when we grow up listening to all this music, we grow up listening to Ti and Wayne and all this stuff, and we're hearing these tracks. And at that time, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I have no problem telling you. When I was growing up, I was focused on the lyrics yeah. because there were some great lyricists growing yeah. up. There were people that would spend some real shit, and I was like, yo, these the wordplay rap is fun if you're smart mm. because wordplay and. uh and delivery and all that it's it's amazing what these people can do right but then as we're now in this age you see we're kind of produce we're kind of or hip-hop rap is progressing to where people want to dance people want to have a good time you know and i'm and i think that's cool i think that's fun for sure and i'm all for it but with that being said now you're shifting focus from the artist to the person making the music and going back to my time in band i played tuba the bass line yeah so my part really wasn't the loudest it wasn't the lead but whenever you're playing the bass line and then you're hearing all those other parts work together Mm -hmm. to form the piece and then you see where the bass line fits in and the percussion fits in yeah now music is truly one of the most beautiful things on this for sure man you hey man i'm supporting you bro i know you got some coming bro and i'm supporting you man look out I'm, i'm going by the uh i'm flipping my initials it's i want my my entertainment name to be gold, but it's okay. spelled A U, like the chemical yeah, symbol. That's fire. So, what I'm doing is, all right now I'm just starting out. I can write lyrics all day, yeah. you know. Just my vocabulary is large. I have a good understanding of words and syllables and all that. And I think that people uh, a very eloquent guy. You know what I'm saying? Just a little sum yeah. here and there. Um, but I want to start out putting words to words to music first, but then eventually I'm going to shift it to where I'm just making music. You know what I'm mm. saying? And one of my greatest inspirations, like, for example, Pierre Bourne, to me, is one of the most versatile faces in music right now. Mm. Because if you notice, his initial placement was on Cardi's Magnolia, yeah. you know, New York on Millie Rock. And that beat is so simple. It's literally just three guitar chords and the most basic drum line ever. Mm. But when it gives you such a playground like that as an artist, you can do whatever you want. So an artist like Cardi, who is very non-conventional, can come on and do whatever he wants and make it sound catchy. Because music, popular music, radio music, it's just all about the vibe. If you can get people singing, if you can get people dancing, if you can get people nodding their head along, you've got them hooked. Word up. You know what I'm saying? So really it's up to the creator as the individual to make what you like and see what it, and see where it goes but I'm, you can't try to manufacture music 
to get streams, to get placements, to get radio plays, because at that age, and you're no better than all of these other music industries that forge together boy bands, use them, and then throw them away, and leads them to all this different horrible stuff like drug addiction and mm. all, you know what I'm saying? So to me, I saw a tweet from Currency, another artist that I greatly respect, because Currency walks the fine line of making feel-good music and being a lyricist. Yeah. And he's a very simple guy, at least from I can tell from his music, because um, another thing that also defines rappers is what do you rap about? Of course, you know? yeah, it's important. So like Future to me is the GOAT, but what is Future rap about? Fucking somebody's hoe, cars, drugs, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Typical stuff that would you would think would hold back the black community, but he spins it and turns it in such a light that it's almost like a rallying cry what? for for motivation. Like it's literally the most like unconventional and depressing motivational music ever. And that's why he's the greatest, in my opinion. I need to give Future more listens, bro. And, my, 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 my friends are very big on and, it. I haven't given them and, the chance And you know to, what it is? Like, whenever you're listening to Future, bro, you just got to... It's almost like a mode you're going in. You know what I'm saying? you you can Future, Future makes music you can chill to, but his to me, his greatest hits, like, whenever you really look into those lyrics, a lot of people say, like, he doesn't rap about shit, like... Okay, he's not rapping about shit, but then I definitely lean on that edge. You know what I'm saying? But I have to get him a list, so I won't. But then know. you you really look in the future, and I think it was his was it Dirty Sprite too? It might have been the Wizard, the Wizard album where he gave that documentary where he came from. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because like we said earlier, the environment you're raised in mm. will become the root of what you put out. Yeah. So whenever you see where future came from, you see what he's done with his life, and then you see what he's doing now. Yeah, it's like well, no wonder you talk about this stuff. You've seen this stuff. You've seen firsthand what it can happen to people. Six Nine tried to call out Future for saying he's never got a drug charge or he's he's never did this. He he's not really what he raps about. Mm. Okay, you th- how many people you think Wayne's been shot and killed? I don't think Wayne's really a murderer, but I I believe Wayne has seen some stuff in New Orleans that a lot of people probably can't relate to on a Sunday day, yeah. but they listen to Wayne because he can put that in his music. And make it relatable. Mm. Currency raps about cars, about about weed, about uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, about you know what I'm saying just just stuff in his life yeah. because that's what he knows, that's what he sees. But he can make it relatable through music, and that's what we as a human race, I feel like, once we can all relate to each other, we have to we have to definitely ditch some of our pre-existing stigmas of religion of differences of other things like that and do i believe world peace is attainable i actually do okay you know but it's going to be a process a process that's going to continue long after we're gone but it is attainable. but it is attainable word man listen ugo it's been a my brother it's been a it's been a privilege to have hey, you on man. man i'm happy you came through on the hey, pod bros this ain't even, it was necessary to get you on here man this ain't even nothing to it man it was actually getting a little bit hot i was told you i need to take off this hoodie at, oh uh, man you waited to <laughs> this that i'm gonna wait to the very end and take it off you know i'm talking about shout out shout out my man man if y'all if y'all ain't know it's d stone co around here uh i wish i could have talked more about my my time in arkansas but just really quickly um just to reinforce that he doesn't hate white people. He I, has a I, white man I, on his shirt. You know shirt. what I'm saying? I, I can't hate. I, I really can't hate anybody, honestly. Facts. Um, but going to Arkansas, so we, we've been blessed, first and foremost. Of course. Being situated where we're situated because we are outside of a major city in the world. And on top of that, we're in a very better than most subdivision. 
being Sugarland, Richmond, Rosenberg. For sure, right? for sure. We have clean water. We don't have to stress about electricity. Hella schools around us. There's a freaking jail behind us. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So I went to, just really quickly, I went to Arkadelphia, Arkansas, which is a town of about 10,000, 11,000 people. And most of that is because they have two colleges literally right across the street from each other. So mm-hmm. that's the majority of the population, right? Now, when I first got to Arkansas, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, just your typical. And that, and it's crazy because now that I look at it, I feel like that's the real America. Mm. Because you're not always going to be in an area that has 100 million people or, three, yeah. th- you know, I'm saying 30 million people where there's all these resources to make because, you know, that's where people are, are centralized. That's where they're focused. Yeah. But going to Arkadelphia really helped open my eyes as to, okay, well, shit, this is how you really get it off the mud. You know, like... You don't just have, you don't have people knocking on your door every day, giving you opportunity. Like you really got to wake up and you got to go take it. You got to go find it. Luckily, I was in Arkadelphia going to school, yeah. and I've come into contact with people that were born and raised in Arkadelphia. That, to them, going to Henderson was like how mo- how a lot of people all over Texas think about going to UT. You know, wow. Going to going going to Little Rock, playing playing for the playing for the Arkansas Razorbacks is like playing for the Houston Texans. Cause that's all Arkansas got. For coming up in the understanding the struggle and things, man. That's kind of that's kind of how it was for me at Prairie View, man. You know, kind of mm-hmm. seeing uh, that was stump, definitely my stumping grounds and how I came up, and it kind of opened my eyes to like I've had professors, the professor on who told me that, man. This is you can't forget where you came from because this is what when, when when it was all bad, you was at Prairie View making it. So that's exactly you what he said. Me? So I I definitely look at Prairie View. Uh, you know, I I love the school, man. Let me uh, how are we on time, man? Are we gonna we uh. <laughs> Uh, do we need to wrap it up, or we need to? Oh, I mean, if I if I can stay on longer, man, I'll 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 talk for days, man. This is just conversation <laughs> to me. Nah, man, uh, I'm gonna let you go, man, because yeah. it's uh, like, again, man. I uh, I got I got school shit to do. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> I know you don't know <laughs> obligations. I, I yeah, I got I got some school shit to do. Yeah. I ain't even gonna cap, bro. I got I got an assignment to do tonight. Uh, but again, brother, it's been a pleasure having you, bro. Hey, All anytime, love, man. Anytime. I'm gonna I get got, you back on again, bro. Very soon. <sighs> you get me back on again. I might have to bring a bring a present or something. Man, honestly. facts, bro. Man, no, but just for anybody watching, man, I'm trying to say this, I get emotional, bro, because I got to understand, like, I've, I've lost a lot of people in my life, and anytime I see somebody that I've known for so long grow and then go out and want to make a difference in their own way, I literally, in my internal being, I have no choice but to support. So for anybody watching, man, this High Yellow Podcast, just know that even through the first three episodes that I've watched or I've had the blessing of uh, watching every guest I, I've been, I'm honored to be on this podcast because every guest I've watched so far on this podcast has been fire. I've, I've wanted to personally Jeez, meet man, each and every you. guest, <laughs> thank you, you bro. know, so this is good content for the open-minded. If you're willing to sit down and watch two individuals currently discuss any and everything, and their two thoughts about it and allow it to be allow allow yourself to take it in and formulate how you want to move forward with your life then by all means this is the podcast for you but that's love bro that's we're, all gonna, I we're gonna end it right it. there man hi yellow pod thank you for tuning in blessed <laughs>